the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation, a program providing help and information for our caregivers who are vital to the health and welfare of so many people in our community. You can hear Caregiver SOS On Air Sundays at 6 p.m. on 930 a.m. The Answer. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much. I'm Ron Aaron. We welcome you to Caregiver SOS On Air. We come to you on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. You can hear us Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. Podcasts are also available for all of our programs. Just Google Caregiver SOS On Air, and they will pop up. Tina is filling in today for Carol Zerniel, our regular co-host, who is on special assignment. And we're delighted to have Tina in. You've heard her before on Caregiver SOS On Air. She's the manager of Caregiver Program Operations for the Caregiver SOS Program through the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Tina has a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's degree in social gerontology. She's worked with seniors and caregivers for more than 25 years within the long-term care industry, the Bear Area Agency on Aging here in San Antonio, and served as an adjunct professor with Kaplan University. Tina has been uh, with the Caregiver SOS program uh, for a little more than uh, two years now. Hey, good to see you. Oh, it's very good to be back. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about, before we jump to our guest, uh, a little bit about the Caregiver SOS program that you're involved in. Absolutely. Our our main focus with the program is to provide information and support for family members that are providing care for a loved one. It's a, it's a big job. It's one they don't plan for, one they don't get training for, and it can be pretty overwhelming. And so we want to provide them the support that they need so that they can keep on caring for their loved one. And people can come to you. There's no charge. Absolutely. It's all free. And we have caregiver specialists available that they can talk to one-on-one and learn about area resources, how to come up with a plan of action, how to best care for their loved one. We also have uh, over-the-phone learning sessions where they can just call in and listen, as well as stress management classes. What's a good way to segue to our guest who was in exactly the fix you're talking about, suddenly becomes a caregiver. Mary Jo Graham joins us. She's an author and an artist, and she'll explain why both titles came unexpectedly. In 2012, she found herself suddenly in a caregiving role for her elderly dad, and she wrote a book about it, When He Sends Redbirds Walking Through Emotions as a Caregiver. Mary Jo Graham, delighted to have you on Caregiver SOS On Air. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Tina. It's it's a joy to be here. Thank you so much. But tell us how you fell, as most people do, into a caregiving role. For me, it was uh, it was very unexpected. Um, my mom, who is actually ten years younger than my dad at the time, uh, she was his caregiver. Um, I knew that my dad had a, a host of different health issues. And um, my mom took care of him, and I have a very strong mom. She's amazing. And so when I would talk to my mom and I'd say, how's Dad doing? And she would say, well, now, honey, we're fine. And that's all I knew. And when we would go visit, he would be sitting in the chair and cutting up, and uh, my dad was a very funny man. But, you know, any time I asked about health, health issues, my mother would say, now, you know, honey, we're fine. So that, that's what I knew. And uh, June 6, 2012, uh, my mom decided to cut down a tree limb while my dad was resting. And the thing about my mom is I would have bet money just any time that she was capable of doing that in her early 70s. But on this particular day, she fell off the ladder and fell and actually shattered both legs and had to have trauma surgery in her legs. I mean, just completely pins, plates, screws, all of it. And it happened quickly. And so I was the, I have, I have one sibling, but he is out in Arizona. And so 
I knew that there wasn't an option. Somebody had to go and stay with with my dad. Tell us and about so, the tell us about the call you got telling you about your mom's situation. You know what's funny, Ron, is she actually called me, and she called me crying, and she said, and she started right off the bat just apologizing. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have done it, and. The ambulance was there at the time, so she had actually picked up her cell phone and called me. Wow. And, you know, I I really didn't know what, what to think. You know, I knew she was injured, but at that point, I, you know, we didn't know the extent of it. I just knew she was going to the emergency room, and there were neighbors that had come over to sit with my dad until I got there. And so uh, I drove home, and, you know, I just kind of knew – this wasn't going to be um, a 24-hour thing, <laughs> and I, I just knew, you know what, I'm going to go home, and I better pack some clothes. <laughs> uh-huh. and so I packed some clothes. I went to the house, and um, actually before I went to the house, I did go to the emergency room, and she couldn't feel either one of her legs. You know, and again, as soon as she saw me, she she just cried and apologized, and you know, and I'm, I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And so uh, I realized that statement I did get from my mother is everything's going to be fine. But she ended up having to go to Vanderbilt, which is a very well-known uh, research hospital in Nashville. And they had to put her legs back together. So all of a sudden, I'm thrown into that caregiving role, really not knowing the extent of my dad's health issues. And so that's because everything it, was fine. Everything was fine. And so it only took about probably 48 hours till I realized, oh my gosh, that it's not fine. And realized, you know, just immediately my mom has been doing things and caring for my dad in ways that I wasn't aware of. And, you know, I'd had friends that were taking care of parents pray for them. You know, yeah, praying for you while you take care of your mom or whatever. But, you know, you really don't understand those things. It's like having a baby. You know, people would share share with you about it, but I have one. You really don't know. And I really didn't understand even what my mother was doing for 10 years until I stepped in that role. So what was your dad's situation when you began to pull back the covers and take a look? My dad had um, early signs of dementia. He had diabetes. He had um, he had had um, open heart surgery at one point, so he had heart is- issues. Um, he was very much declining in just mobility. Um, he was on a walker. Um, he was, you know, he, he was wearing Depends and we had to use urinals and, you know, he, it it was just more than really what I was aware of at the time. So I had to just jump in and, you know, when you jump in a role like that, you almost, you don't really have time to process it mentally or even emotionally. You're just kind of throw in, so you just got you got to do what, what it takes at the time. Now hold that thought a minute. For those of you who have just joined us, I want to let you know you're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron. Our special guest is Mary Jo Graham. Her book, When He Sends Redbirds Walking Through Emotions as a Caregiver, we'll pick up her story in a minute. Tina Smith is filling in today for Carol Zerny, and we're delighted to have Tina in. And Mary Jo, as you were beginning your story, Tina was just shaking her head yes, because you've heard this story before. Oh, it's it's so very common. I mean, we're such an independent society. We think we can manage everything on our own, and I've seen caregiver after caregiver. You know, everything is fine. That's a, a standard. You know, they've, they've got a handle on all of it, but oftentimes it just becomes so overwhelming. They don't know where to turn, and, and your situation is not unlike. It sounds like a lot of especially long-distance caregivers where, you know, you talk on the phone and you don't necessarily see the situation until you go make that visit. And, and the holidays are, are coming up around the corner, and a lot of caregivers or f- adult children may f- all of a sudden find themselves in a situation similar to yours. That's so, correct. So as you began to uh, pull back and unpeel that onion, what were you thinking, that uh, uh, you could handle this, or were you ready to move to <laughs> Chicago? 
Well, you know, what's interesting is I had two first cousins and their sisters, and they had just been walking through for a couple of years taking care of their mom. And I felt like they came to my house immediately and did the practical things like what is what was, you know, my mom's long-term health care look like? What is, you know, just just the, the those important details that you really need to know when you get into a caregiving role. Now, fortunately, because I had a brilliant mom who years ago had me sign documents that put me in charge. And so things from being able to sign and pay their bills and, uh, you know, on their credit card and all those things that at the time I thought, okay, she's going to, she wants me to do this. That's great. So she gave you power of attorney. She gave me power of attorney. I was on all of the signature cards on their bank accounts. Um, Everything was covered, which was a huge blessing because, you know, I had to, I had to pay bills. And my dad was so far removed from financial responsibilities, my mom took care of everything. And it made him nervous to discuss it. So I knew I couldn't go to him with those kind of questions. So, um, but these two cousins kind of gave me a caregiving 101, you know, teaching pretty quick. And, you know, I was, uh, I I had people that, that stepped up and shared their stories and, um, you know, it really helped me um, just kind of hit the ground running. But um, you you go into such, I think the biggest shock for me was all of a sudden you lose control of your time. And probably Tina's shaking your head yes, too. Yes, that. she is. <laughs> you lose, you know, you don't realize how blessed you are, you know, when you control your time. And caregiving, you don't control your time anymore. And so I didn't control when I could go home and be with my family. Where I live and where my parents live is about 30 minutes apart. And so um, that was really hard. My daughter, my youngest daughter was 18 at the time, and and um, my husband, and just all of a sudden you're not home, and you're living somewhere else. And that was such a huge ad- adjustment and trying to figure out how to care for this person that you have known all your life and you love this person. But then you realize there are things that I don't know how to do and I don't know what his needs are. And my daddy was a very particular man. But you were also caring for your mom. When she came home from, she immediately, when she had her surgery, then she went to the local um, nursing home, which also provided her rehab. So she was there. So I could take my dad and we could go visit her. And then when she came home, she was still in a wheelchair because she had to learn how to walk again. She had been non-weight bearing for five months. And so at one point I had both of them. Here's what was happening, Ron, is my mom was rehabbing like a 25-year-old. She was unbelievable. She was a PT's dream when it came to rehabbing. But my dad was going the other direction. Right, And so she is going strong. He's declining. So at one point, I've got them both in the house in, in wheelchairs. And, you know, you, you have to laugh. I mean, they're discussing whose wheelchairs are, are bigger than the others, you know. And it, it's just hilarious. But um, that was challenging. As you take a look back, and we're going to come back to you in just a moment, as you take a look back uh, at that period of time, uh, fill us in on how you organized your time and what recommendations you would have uh, to the uh, person who's listening today and tomorrow may become a caregiver. I'm Ron Aaron along with Tina Smith on Caregiver SOS On Air on 930 AM The Answer talking with Mary Jo Graham. We need to find out too what the title means when he sends redbirds walking through emotions as a caregiver. You ever wonder what you can learn from listening to WellMed Radio? Hi, I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host, Cora Juke, is here, nurse practitioner. What can folks learn from WellMed Radio? You know, we talk about a lot of things such as chronic disease management, how to manage your diabetes, your blood pressure, but we also talk about social issues such as what WellMed offers and what you can do to improve your health and improve your life. And it's something that uh, you're, you're newer to WellMed Radio, and I get a kick out of working with you. What is it you like about doing radio? Well... 
I like to make sure that my patients are educated, that they know how to take care of themselves, because I only get a brief moment in time to take care of them in the office, and I want to partner with them and make sure they have everything they need at home. Nurse practitioner Cora Juke, I'm Ron Aaron. You can catch WellMed Radio Sundays at 5 p.m. exclusively on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Be there. Well, as we listen to this story, both Tina Smith and my heart go out to Mary Jo Graham, our special guest here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Tina filling in for Carol Zerniel, who is on special assignment today, and she'll be back in a couple of weeks. As we talk with you, Mary Jo, about what you went through, for those who are just joining us, I want to remind them uh, you began with literally overnight you became a caregiver for your dad after your mom uh, fell, <laughs> fell out of a tree <laughs> Yeah. In her 70s up there trimming a branch. I have to tell you, the same exact accident happened to my dad when he was cleaning out gutters. He, you know, at the age of 70 or so, he put up a ladder, he climbed up to the gutters, because he always used to do that, and yeah. slid all the way down that ladder and broke both his legs. It it's, turns out mm. to be very common. Uh, and my mom was able to care for him, and later he developed dementia, but at that point he was... Uh, at least mentally with it. In your case, you discovered after your mom reassuring you for years, everything's fine, no problem here, go help someone who needs help, don't look at us. Uh, it turns <laughs> out your dad's uh, situation was a lot more delicate than you had thought. And what Tina was saying to me off the air, uh, without trying to make you like everybody else, Mary Jo, it's so common. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's the whole feedback that I get when people read the book is when I wrote this book, I didn't, you know, I didn't sit down one day and go, I'm going to write a book, um, uh, especially on my website where I talk about, you know, it, it was an unexpected title is when I got into the process of caregiving, um, I decided I, I, I'm, I've got to write down some of these emotions that I'm feeling and I'm not really a journaler. I'm I'm just not that type of person, but I knew I had to write some things down. And so I just started journaling my emotions. I mean, just raw, transparent emotions, good and bad. And I just I just had to write all of it out. And it was probably about three quarters of the way through the caregiving journey that I really felt like the Lord said, I want you to pour all this into a book. I want you to share it. And and I did. And so you know, I tell people this is not my book is is about my journey, and a lot of people's journeys are longer, are more difficult. Everybody's journey is different, but what I found is that there are so many similar emotions, and the feedback that I get is that's exactly how I felt, and I felt like nobody understood how I felt. And um, so, I, you know, I just pour all of that out in my book. So it is basically my journey. And my hope is that when people read it is, you know, when you go through that caregiving uh, journey, you, you have to deny so much of yourself and what you're going through emotionally and mentally and physically because you're caring for someone else. And then, you know, what do you do with all that? And most people that I talk to is especially after you're through with the caregiving journey, there's that place of, I don't know what to do with my time. I don't know I don't know my purpose anymore. I've done this for so long, I don't even know who I am. You know, and so I share a lot about that. So so it won't be a, a, a book about how to do it successfully. It's really more about triggering people's emotions and a lot of times people don't want to deal with those emotions you know, of, of being a caregiver. And they're there, and they're high. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, I just can't tell you how much I appreciate you sharing that because a lot of times a lot of caregivers don't want to admit they may feel some of that frustration or anger or anxiety, just all of those. those or that they need help. Or that they need help because, you know, we, yes. we, we like to put on a good front. We like to be able to say, yes, world, I can manage this. Uh, but caregiving is not a job to do by yourself, and it's, it's it can be completely overwhelming, you know. So, like I said, I appreciate you sharing those emotions because when people read that and, and see that, yes, it is okay to, you know, they're not the only ones experiencing those same emotions. Now, as exactly. your as your dad began going further and further downhill, and your mm-hmm. mother was improving and rehabilitating, 
did she recover her ability to walk? She did. And then she ended up having knee replacement surgery, which really wasn't due to the accident. It was more uh, just due, you know, to... Um, yeah, the parts wear out. The parts wear out. And so she um, she had, had knee replacement surgery. And, you know, she my dad passed away in 2012. I mean, I'm sorry, 2014. Um, he ended up having to go just for a brief time into a nursing home. And... Um, he he just went he just went totally downhill she is still doing fantastic she spends a lot of her time going to nursing homes and visiting people and um she is really a, an amazing person uh she she definitely gives back and but it it was it was hard for her to continue you know she's wanting to you know come back she's wanting a major comeback and then she's watching him decline and she can't care for him anymore and that's really difficult especially with a woman like that who was doing it for so long to see that now you've got limitations and um so but but she she is she's amazing and still going strong how old is she now she is 79 and still climbing trees well, Ron, she's not climbing trees, That's but <laughs> she will stand on a stool every now and then, and I'll have to go, Mother. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> don't do that, you know. And it's funny, you know, your mind thinks, yeah, I can do this, but the body says, no, 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 can't do that anymore. Well, it's a matter of balance. Yeah. And balance can be a problem. But she's doing, she's doing great. And, um, you know, one of the things that, I felt going through it, and I've been blessed with so many friends. I had so many friends praying for us, you know, checking on Jeff and, and my daughter. And But you still feel alone. There is something about that process, and you have to really watch the thoughts that say, well, you're alone, and nobody understands how you feel because it's not true. And so, so many caregivers, you know, I... I've gotten that feedback of, I just felt so alone. So I'm hoping that when they read the book, they, they know you're not alone. And don't feel guilty because your feelings and emotions aren't positive all the time. You're doing a great job. Now, did you overcome the uh, uh, temptation on the part of most caregivers to not ask for help? I had, you know, what was a blessing was that I, I had, um, after 90 days, because of their long-term health care, I could get a caregiver in for so many hours a day. Oh, that's cool. And I, I utilized that so I could come home and get some things done here before I, I went back. And, you know, that was a huge blessing. Uh, I had a, a male caregiver in particular, and he... I'll never forget, it was a game changer in my mind because I came back home. He had taken care of my dad for over a 24-hour period. That was the first time that ha- that had happened since the accident. And he told me, he said, Mary Jo, I want to tell you something. Your dad is a sweet man, and he's so funny, but he's very needy. And he said, I'm tired. <laughs> and he said, you just need to know, Mary Jo, that you're doing a great job. And that meant more to me than anything. It almost like it, you know, re, re, revived me and refreshed me for somebody to say, you're doing a great job. And to know that because you get in your head, you know, I'm, I can't be a big baby here. You know, I'm just being a big baby. I should be honored to be able to do this job. It's my dad, you know. And you start feeling guilty about having negative thoughts. And so um, I realized, no, I, I, can't, I can't do that. I'm, I'm human. And so I really, I prayed a lot. I let the Lord encourage me. I had friends encourage me. But, you know, you got to encourage yourself, too. And so that's why I wrote everything down is I needed to know, you know, that I was doing a good job. I wasn't doing a perfect job, but I was doing a good job. Now, you explained how uh, you became an accidental author and journalist. What about art? How did that happen? been painting i've been a lover of paint for a long time my husband would go out of town and he'd come back and there'd be a room painted different but i started painting about 10 years ago um and i would um do abstract and i would i would pull crosses out of the paint and just you know just texturize the paint and um 
at the beginning of 2017, I really felt like, you know, it's time for me to do this as a business. Um, I'd already published the book under Hidden Crosses, and my paintings, I would always just call them Hidden Crosses. And so I started, I started that uh, as a business, all in. And uh, the Lord has really blessed them, opened up a lot of doors, and um, I, I love it. I love doing paintings. So you're painting houses, you're painting rooms, or you're painting paintings? This is painting paintings. I still paint houses. In fact, I'm renovating my bedroom right now, so I, st- I will always do that. But uh, this is on canvas, so all different sizes of canvas, very texturized, and I paint crosses. I, that's what I do. Um, my website is hiddencrosses.com, and I, I paint abstract, very um, almost kind of industrial, very contemporary um, crosses. And um, just it's just been such a blessing to do it. All right, stay with me just a minute. We're going to come right back to you. We want to talk a little bit more about what you learned about yourself through that caregiving process. And while you didn't write a self-help book, what tips would you have for the accidental caregiver who maybe tomorrow becomes one? I'm Ron Aaron, along with Tina Smith, who is filling in for Carol Zerniel. You hear us on Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer, and we're talking with uh, just an amazing woman, Mary Jo Graham. Her book, When He Sends Redbirds, Walking Through Emotions as a Caregiver. We are so pleased you were with us here on Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with... Tina Smith, who is filling in for Carol Zerniel today on Caregiver SOS On Air. And we're talking with Mary Jo Graham, talking about her book and her experience caring for her dad and for a period of time for her mom as well. Tina, share with us, what are you hearing and what are you thinking uh, as you heard uh, uh, Mary Jo's story? Well, I think, I mean, she certainly uh, touched on the, the isolation part of it, and that's a, that's a big thing. A lot of caregivers do feel themselves becoming more and more isolated, either because they can't leave the house, they can't go do their daily uh, routines that they used to. Like you said, Mary Jo, life happens. You know, you've got a plan, and then all of a sudden life happens, and you're on a different path. And so it can be very isolating and very overwhelming. And so, uh, you know, I appreciate your your willingness to ask for help because that's so so important and to accept the help you know you ask and accept so mary joe what did you learn about yourself as you fell into the caregiving i you know i'm i guess i'm a lot like my mom and but i realized that I, i needed people you know i mean i love people we have we have so many awesome friends family but I think there is that tendency to to not pull on people for hard things or things that you may feel like, well, they're not going to want to help in this area. And I had to learn how to, if somebody said, can I bring over a meal? I had to learn how to say yes. And yes and thank you. You know, can I come over and sit with your dad if you need to run an errand? Yes and thank you. And sometimes I think that's hard for people. I think it's hard for them. They either feel like they've got to either pay back or I think sometimes we just, we're not really good at letting people help us and letting other people bless us. And um, so I had had to learn that. And and that's, that's a very humbling thing. We sometimes hear from caregivers here on Caregiver SOS On Air who will say, well, you know, I knew no one could sit with my dad as, as, as well as I could. So I didn't want to take away that a comfort for him. Yeah. Well, uh, my my dad even told me. I can remember when I, I came back in from being gone two or three hours, and a caregiver was sitting with him, and he he called me Joe, and he said, Joe, you know, so and so is uh, is is so nice, you know, when they come over and sit with me, but I like it when you're here. And I told him, I said, well, Daddy, that you know, that is so sweet, and I really appreciate that. But you have to, you know, keep in mind that I, I have a family. I have a family, too, and I'm going to be here as much as I can, you know, but I have a family, too. But it was hard for him to understand that. You know, when you're in your 80s, um, he was used to having all of his needs met by my mom. And so I, I was stepping into that role. You know, and there, there were times he, he would accidentally call me Mama. And I would, I didn't know what to do with that, you know, but I had to just give him grace, you know, because 
he was in his 80s, and he, he, he didn't feel good. You just have to live in his place. You do, and you, you really do. You have to be patient, and um, I, I had to just let a lot of things just kind of roll off. You know, he was a very funny man, but at the same time, he was a worrier and very negative at times. And um, sometimes when a person is very, very negative, they don't want you to be positive. They just want to be negative. Yeah, they want to bring you and, down, too. Yeah. So you just you have to you have to learn to just let things you know roll off. And when I wrote this book, um, there were times that I would just have to to leave the room and I'd go sit outside, and I would just pray and I'd be like, you know, Lord, are you are you really paying attention to this situation? I really need to know that you're listening and you're aware of 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 me that you really see me. And he would send a red bird. And I mean, like, send one just with it where I could just almost reach out and touch it. And so when I named it, when he sends redbirds, I was shocked by the number of people that that said, oh, they had redbird stories. And I didn't know about redbird stories. And so um, redbirds, I think a lot of people, maybe the Lord speaks to a lot of people through redbirds, but it has been amazing the number of people that say, yes, I, I just, they they bless me. Redbirds bless me. So that's amazing. Just and you touched on just kind of the the idea of self care as a caregiver because yeah. a lot of caregivers, I'm sure you felt just yourself getting lost even physically and emotionally. How do you or what would you advise caregivers? How do you how do you take that step towards self care? You know, one of the things, is especially when my my caregiving was coming to an end when when you do it for a period of time and it can be a parent it can be a child i've had people read my book and they weren't taking care of a parent it was a child and but they went through those same emotions there's a real tendency to feel like that is who you become as a caregiver that is your title that is who you become you know you you're the job and you have to you have to really watch that because you you really lose sight of I, I kind of lost sight of I was more than that and that I had other gifts and talents and um, opportunities and ways that I could bless people and sometimes you can get so caught up in that role that you just you you do you kind of lose yourself and um, you have to be aware of that you have to have positive people around don't don't surround yourself with negative people now was there a moment when that thoughts struck you and, and you looked at where you were and what you were thinking, or was that over time? I think it took some time. You know, that's another thing is you you have to give yourself time. You have to give yourself a lot of grace, and um, you have to not be hard on yourself. Um, when you're dealing with such high emotions, uh, you, you have to have other outlets also for the emotions. You know, for me, it was journaling, it was prayer, it was talking to friends. Um, it, you, you have to have some kind of outlet for emotions because if you, the thing you don't want to do is you don't want that stuff to build up, and then you take it out on the very person that you're caring for. You can't do that. But you have to, you you got to lighten up on yourself. Well, some uh, caregivers get trapped in a lot of anger. Yeah. misdirected but a lot of anger you do and you know sometimes you have to decide what what are you angry at you know for me and and we touched on this earlier i wasn't angry at my dad i was angry at not controlling my time anymore something that i'd never thought about now speaking of time if you just joined us you're listening to caregiver sos on air on 9 30 a.m the answer i'm ron aaron along with tina smith who is filling in today for carol zernial and we're talking with Mary Jo Graham, her book, When He Sends Redbirds, Walking Through Emotions as a Caregiver. And we were talking about the story of how she became, uh, literally overnight after her mom fell off a ladder up in a tree, uh, caregiver for her dad and for a period of time for her mom as well. Knockwood, uh, you had said your mom is uh, doing well. In fact, she's giving back by visiting nursing homes. She's doing, she's doing fantastic. She still drives. She is always fixing meals for people, um, and, and she is. She's just an amazing person. And from her point of view, you know, she's been on both sides. 
she's been the caregiver and then she's been one you know someone that i had to take care of so she gets it from both perspectives she ever and, tell you how you, she ever tell you how she, how she thought you did as a caregiver <laughs> you know one discussion we had to have because she apologized so much is i finally had to sit down with her and just say you're going to have to look me in the eye here and i just said mother we can't keep going through this discussion of I'm so sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I said, I've never once, one time, thought, oh, I cannot believe my mother climbed that ladder. Never once did I think that. And I said, you know, we're going to do this one time. And I said, uh, Mother, I forgive you. Now, you have to say, I receive your forgiveness. And she had to say, and I said, no, I don't want to discuss it anymore. I don't want you apologizing. You know, this is just life. This is This is just life. But she has such a great perspective because she's been on both sides. And she is such a patient person. She's such a positive person. And that's one thing this whole thing produced in her is, you know, you got to look at the good in things. You know, it's so easy to be negative. It's so easy to look at the bad. But but you, you have got to take it. It takes energy both ways. So you might as well take that energy how can I be positive and how can I be helpful in this situation? And that's the way she lives her life. Oh, absolutely. I mean, really, attitude really does carry you carry you far in your right, having that positive attitude. Sometimes it's hard hard to turn that around when you're in the midst of all that. And you touched on or you mentioned several things, outlets. You said it was so important to have outlets, and that's so important because we have a, a stress-busting class where we teach stress management techniques. And you mentioned several journaling, art we use as stress management do you have any advice for for caregivers on on how to you know how to fit that in how to not think of that outlet as just one more thing on their to-do list? Well, I don't know if I would have advice on um you know how to how to get involved or or how to lose, utilize your time and so that you do have those outlets, you know, because one thing that I found that because everybody's journey is different, I being a Christian, I I had to go to the Lord and pray about it. And I would pray when I was at my lowest at times. I would have to pray, Lord, you're going to have to you're going to have to send me somebody. And He was always faithful to do that. People that I didn't expect, and people that just made me laugh. Sometimes I just needed to laugh, and that would just release a lot of things. So, um, you know, that was that was what I I had to do. I had to be strengthened. You know, just through um, just just through prayer, just through getting in my Bible, and and you know, getting the focus off of me. There's a real tendency, even though I'm the one going through it. You know, I don't. I, Lord, keep me out of pity. Keep me out of just me becoming a neg- negative person. And and it's a constant thing. It's not a one-time thing. It was a daily thing, because our natural tendency sometimes is to flow in the negative. I know mine, mine was at times. So um, I, I had to get people around me that would make me laugh and, <laughs> and share their own stories. You know, there's something about when you hear other people's stories, you know, and I think that's why the feedback from my book is, has been uh, received so well is I don't share a lot of how-tos. How I'm just basically saying, I know how you feel. And sometimes that's what people need to know more than anything is I just need somebody to listen and share their stories and that I'm, I'm not alone in how I feel. Now you had mentioned, a, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, but that, that can make a world of difference. You had mentioned early on when we were talking how uh, your cousins really came to your rescue very uh, early into your caregiving. Did they stick with you on that journey? They did, and we kind of we kind of uh, stuck stuck together. Now their journey lasted longer because they lost their dad, my uncle, and then they continued to care for their mom. For um, she just passed away a year ago, and and it was very difficult. And I watched, I've I've watched them, and you know, there's also a tendency, Ron, to go, oh, well, I, I. I I better not share my journey because theirs is lasting so much longer or theirs is more difficult. And you almost feel guilty because theirs is harder. And what you have to keep in mind is everybody's journey is different. 
and it's how can I how can I pray for you? How can I support you? How can I make you laugh? What can I do, you know, to 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 come alongside of you and help you? And I watched them, and they were kind of like my heroes. And it's like wow. You know, but I had to make sure, and you got to make sure as a caregiver that you don't do this comparison thing. You can't compare your journey with somebody else's and then feel guilty because yours was different. That's a good place to stop you because we are flat out of time. I want to thank you so much for coming on with us, uh, Mary Jo Graham. And again, the book, When He Sends Redbirds Walking Through Emotions as a Caregiver, uh, where is your book available? You can order my book through uh, any local bookstore. Support your local bookstore. If you don't have a local bookstore, you can go on Amazon and order it. Hey, thank you very much. You have a great day. And again, we appreciate you coming on. Mary Jo Graham, her book is When He Sends Redbirds, Walking Through Emotions as a Caregiver. Tina Smith, that was powerful stuff. That was absolutely. It's like, like she said, sometimes it's good just to hear someone else who is walking your journey. We turn next to Take 10, and Dr. Jamie Heisman will join us right here on 930 AM, The Answer. You ever wonder what you can learn from listening to WellMed Radio? Hi, I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host, Cora Juke, is here, nurse practitioner. What can folks learn from WellMed Radio? You know, we talk about a lot of things such as chronic disease management, how to manage your diabetes, your blood pressure, but we also talk about social issues such as what WellMed offers and what you can do to improve your health and improve your life. And it's something that uh, you're newer to well, I'm at radio, and I get a kick out of working with you. What is it you like about doing radio? Well, I like to make sure that my patients are educated, that they know how to take care of themselves, because I only get a brief moment in time to take care of them in the office, and I want to partner with them and make sure they have everything they need at home. Nurse practitioner, Cora Juke. I'm Ron Aaron. You can catch WellMed Radio Sundays at 5 p.m. exclusively on 930 a.m. The Answer. Be there. Well, as we do at the end of every one of our Caregiver SOS on-air programs, we bring you Take 10, a conversation with Dr. Jamie Heisman, nationally known psychotherapist and expert on caregiving and addictions as well. And sitting in for Carol Zerniel, Tina Smith, who is a master's degree in gerontology, and me, Ron Aaron, your local friendly, lovely lawyer. Jamie, one of the issues that have come up, and, and Tina, why don't you explain it to him and, and we'll get his reaction talking about caregiving and care recipients. Yeah, sometimes uh, we, we talk to caregivers who are caring for somebody that uh, that when they need some help at home, let's say they you know the caregiver finally recognizes and they're able to get some some help at home, but the their loved one doesn't want that person to come in the home. They don't want anyone else in the home other than their spouse or their adult child taking care of them. And so they often ask, how can I get my mom or my dad or my husband to agree for some outside help? You know, this is such a difficult question. It's an excellent one that that all of our listening audience, I guess, should uh, hopefully uh, understand why we're asking it. And all I can say and keep going back to is this concept of how do you actually achieve trust first with your loved one, that you, as a caregiver, are acting in their best interest. And the acronym for trust is always uh, the same, to reach ultimate success together. So a very strong relationship that a caregiver has with their loved one really, really determines what their loved one will do and what they leaps they can make and how they can possibly go from a situation A to situation B maybe without the caregiver enabling it. So for That's a long the way of saying you have to increase the comfort level first. The caregiver has to be there, present, develop, obviously, the relationship with, with their loved one first before they start turning over resources to them. But we can talk together how that happens. Well, is there a, an easy way to facilitate that uh, transition? A guest we had on, uh, Caregiver SOS On Air, uh, who talked about caring for her dad, uh, with uh, uh, advancing dementia, uh, she arranged for a friend to come over, sit with him while she took care of some personal business. And when she came back, uh, he said, you know, your friend is very lovely, but you do such a better job. I, I want you here. Tugging at those emotional strings. That's a guilt, guilt trip. 
Yeah, yeah. I was a born I was born with original guilt. I think you were too, Ron. Yeah, you know, a, a lot of people are born with original sin, but yeah. we understand that intervention. Price you pay for uh, being Jewish. I, exactly, exactly. And I also understand actually the loved one's response. I think that at the end of the day, in in terms of uh, emotional connection, we have to help our loved one. How do you say desensitize themselves from? the let's say the alien person if you will what does that mean that means that literally we have to be there with our loved one initially be in the relationship facilitate the relationship at the proper time when both people parties the loved one and the caregiver feel that there is a connection being made then and only then i believe can you really make that type of a handoff it's almost an anointment if you will now, is this where you bring out the analogy of the three-legged stool? <laughs> well, it, it's always going to be the three-legged stool. Obviously, if one's taking care of themselves as a caregiver, meaning the psychological, social, and medical self, which is the three-legged stool, you know, I think then they can actually be a better primary caregiver. And if they can actually take care of themselves and be a better primary caregiver, then no doubt they're going to have a better relationship with their loved one or a more trusting relationship with their loved one. You see, it's so important for us to allow our loved one to meet us halfway. If we're a caregiver that's kind of goes what I call a hover caregiver, goes and enables everything and doesn't allow the loved one uh, or the senior to actually uh, act, if you will, to their fullest maximum way and meet us halfway, then we tend to really do everything for them. And they're going to have this sort of learned helplessness and they will not accept help from anybody else. It's interesting because the guest we had on uh, took over caring for her dad after her mother. Both were uh, elderly. Mom was in her 70s. Mom fell out of a tree where she was trimming a branch, broke both of her legs, went to the hospital, and our guest, Mary Jo Graham, had to fill in immediately as a caregiver, and she discovered that her mom was doing absolutely everything for her father, and anticipating things he didn't even know he needed. Well, you know, I bet you, Tina, you know this as well, but what she's doing, unfortunately, inadvertently, innocently, is she's robbing him of the self-esteem that he could possibly have today, even with a chronic or terminal illness. It's so critical for a loved one to allow their loved one to meet them halfway, to actually encourage them to do as much as they can on their own behalf, as soon as we become this, as I say, hover care, uh, caregiver, do everything for a loved one, I mean, they really don't need to connect with anybody. And also, they're not going to accept anybody in place of ourselves. So how do you, what kind of advice would you give to a caregiver who may find themselves heading down that path or may find themselves in that, that uh, situation? How do they set those boundaries? How do they head down the path of, of a mutual relationship in a sense. Now, before you answer that, I want to remind people they're listening to Take 10 on Caregiver SOS on air at 9.30 a.m. The Answer with Dr. Jamie Heisman, Tina Smith, and Ron Aaron. So, Dr. Jamie, you've got the plate. Well, Tina, that's a great question. And to be frank with you, a positive relationship with a loved one, it will boost their mood and it will motivate them to actually accept things that they would not accept. And the way to do that is, the only way you can have a positive relationship with anybody else is to have a positive relationship with yourself. And so what we tend to do in the world of creating boundaries is we tend to not create them, and we enable loved ones, and we do everything for them. And we have this guilt, if you will, and shame that, that we can't change things, that we're powerless over their disease state. It's a loved one. It's a family member. But what we're really doing is robbing them from the opportunity of, A, having their own self-esteem and being in the moment. So to answer your question, we really have to take care of ourselves. And again, to Ron's point before, that means mind, body, and soul. We will have little to offer our loved one unless we're like, like flooding over ourselves with our own self-love. And so what we need to do is not fall into the trap of being self, uh, selfless, if you will, and believe that we have to do everything for our loved one. We have to really talk very candidly and communicate, if the loved one is cognitively able to do that, about both meeting each other halfway. You know, as I listen to this, I also think of the caregiver who says, because they are suddenly a caregiver, there's no training, no preparation. Gee, I wish I'd known that. Yes, and it's true. And parenting and caregiving, maybe the two most important relationships we have in life with loved ones, has very little education in our society. 
And so, obviously, we have to go to places, and Tina can talk to you because she's a caregiver specialist at WellMed, places that can educate, empower, and energize ourselves and really get this education on our own. So, Tina, that's your softball. Why don't you tell the listening audience all about what you do? Well, I mean, there's certainly, and, and we talked about this earlier with Mary Jo, but having that community, having people around you and knowing that you're not alone. And so certainly there are there are resources out in your community. Often you can find support groups. There are senior centers that you can take your loved one to possibly or you yourself can go to. Senior centers by WellMed. Yes, absolutely. We have senior centers in Texas and, and Florida. And so, you know, it's a great place. It's once a great outlet. Uh, for some stress relieving, but it's also some socialization, which is so important. And then, as as Jamie mentioned, uh, being a caregiver specialist with the SOS program, we do have staff available to talk to caregivers over the phone uh, and uh, in person if they're if they're in the area. And part of the and, and Ron t- I was going to say part of the challenge, and I'm sure you're picking up on this, is getting a caregiver to reach out for help. Absolutely, Ryan. It's so difficult for us. There's so much shame and stigma, and I, exactly you and I are going to the same place. And that's why I was also going to make the suggestion that uh, a therapist or a geriatric care manager, uh, any really solid person who is grounded in the expertise of gerontology, who actually has this as a focus of their practice, listen, look at your insurance, take a look at what they cover, and frankly, go see one, because I think it's the most perfect time to level set your life and strategize all those cool things Tina talked about. And plus, by promoting a healthier lifestyle for yourself and connecting and creating boundaries, you're really helping your loved one feel more safer in, in your presence. And you're also promoting their healthier lifestyle while they, they deal with this chronic or terminal illness. we got about 20 seconds left. You get the last word, Dr. Jamie. Well, I have to tell you, positive attention can lower a loved one's risk of depression and of loneliness and of anxiety. Perfect. But first, we have to lower, lower those for ourselves. And so that's the key. Ourselves first, help our loved one, then understand the world after. Dr. Jamie, thank you. Tina Smith, thank you. I'm Ron Aaron. You hear Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS on air. Presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Email suggestions and comments on this radio program to radio at wellmed.net. And join your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zerniel, for another edition of Caregiver SOS On Air on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.